Hallelujah. Thank you guys so much. Amen, 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 amen. And thank God. I'm so glad to be with you all today. How'd you guys feeling this morning? Amen. My name is Ronald Julian and I said I'm the, I'm the campus pastor of every tribe church, our New York campus pastor that we, um, collaborate with Bishop Hezekiah Walker and we're having a phenomenal time down there. I got a word for you today from the Lord. I think it's going to bless you. I think it's going to challenge you. I think it's going to minister to you. Um, so if you have your Bibles, let's jump right in. As you're doing that, if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. We have some, uh, the ushers have some Bibles they can give to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Every Sunday we make this declaration, so let's do it together. Ready? Hold your Bible real high. Let's do it together. Go. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all God has destined me to be. I still believe that. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go. Let's go to the book of Genesis. If you don't know where that is, I don't know what to tell you, brother. I don't know what to tell you, sister. The book of Genesis. It's always an honor to stand um, in this pulpit in this capacity. We thank God for our senior pastors, Pastor Frank Centaur and Pastor Lisa. We pray that they are getting rest and recovery and relaxation. Pastor Frank, this has, he told me that after he is done preaching, he may retire early to go be a pickleball champion. So y'all, um, everything is pickleball now. So I'm, I'm hoping that he's getting some some fun pickleball time. Amen. Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Starting at verse 1. <clears throat> now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Let's go back here. Verse 1 says that Potiphar bought him from the Ishmaelites. So he became a slave. But then the very next line says that the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. That's an oxymoron if I ever heard one. You're in the slavery, but you're prospering. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Verse 3 says, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian. Why? Because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Wow. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you 
for your word that it does not return for what I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight for you are my strength and you are my redeemer. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I got to tell you, uh, I'm a little nervous today. I got like butterflies in my stomach. That's it's a little different. I don't know, I'm not sure why. So make sure you're praying for me. I'm just being real with y'all. It's okay. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, but it is what it is. But we're going to have a good time today. And I'm, I'm, I believe that the Lord will give you something that you can chew on. I say this all the time when I preach. I'm teaching, I'm preaching, but the Holy Spirit is your teacher. Okay? I'm going to be saying some words. I'm going to be saying what I believe the Lord wants me to say audibly out loud. But the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you specifically about your life in your situation. Amen? Uh, I grew up in church. Most of you guys know that I'm a church boy through and through. I don't have uh, a God saved me from story. All right, Some of you guys have a God saved me from story. God saved me from drugs. God saved me from alcohol. God saved me from a gang. God saved me from God. I, I don't have that big storybook writing, you know, best, best selling testimony. Uh, God kept me. Is my testimony. God kept me. That doesn't mean I didn't make mistakes. It doesn't mean I didn't have moments and seasons of being backslidden, seasons where I fell away from the Lord. But God kept me. And, and, and so a lot of times growing up, I was in church four, five, six days a week on average. Right? And when you're in church, you learn there's a, there's a, there's a culture um, in, in church, there's a culture in church, good, bad, wrong, or right. There's a culture, there's a subculture in church. We do certain things, we say certain things, we understand church talk. Yeah, any, 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 any witnesses in here? Church, church talk. One of the things, uh, that, that you hear a lot is the word anointed. Anointed. Growing up, I, I, I was a piano player, obviously, uh, and uh, I started playing for my church at the age of 12 years old. And one of the things that I heard consistently was, Ronald, you're anointed. You're so anointed. There's an anointing on your life. When prophets would come to, to church, they would grab me off the piano, lay hands on me. God is giving you a new anointing. He's giving you a double portion of his anointing, anointing this, anointed that. And then I would hear other people talk to other people about being anointed. And some people were never told they were anointed. Strange to me. My, my friends, I was 16 years old. I'm walking to my car, you know, to go to Burger King or wherever we were going for that day. And I remember very, very specifically, there was a mother of the church. She came and she grabbed me by my neck. She was Jamaican. Need I say more? She was Jamaican. She grabbed, she said, come here, boy. She said, boy, you're so anointed. You're so anointed. And I remember my friend next to me looking a little bit like confused. And I didn't ask him why he was looking confused, but I couldn't help but wonder, does he feel some type of way because he's not anointed? No one ever told him that he was anointed. And so why would he believe that he is anointed? Because the only people that were anointed were the people that were up here. 
The people that were singing really, really good. The people that were preaching really, really good or playing an instrument really, really well. Anointed was a word that we heard. But I want to try to bring some context around this idea of the anointing today for you, for me, for us to have clarity so that we can use it in its proper context or at least have a clear understanding of what the anointing actually is. The anointing, if you're writing notes, is the indwelling presence of God's spirit. The anointing is the indwelling presence of God's spirit. That indwelling gives us the benefits of spiritual and supernatural power and authority. The indwelling of God's spirit that gives us spiritual and even supernatural power and authority. So the anointing basically is anywhere that the spirit of God dwells. Anywhere that the spirit of God dwells. In the Old Testament, we see the spirit of God dwelling in and on people and things and places. In Genesis 28, Jacob anoints a place. He anoints a rock that he called Bethel, which means the house of God. He was, he was sleeping on a rock. Tough times, man. He was sleeping on a rock, not a sealy, posturepedic pillow. It was a rock. He laid his head on a rock, and while he was sleeping, he received a dream from God. And when he woke up, the Bible says he anointed the rock. And he says, this is the dwelling place of God. And so we see a place being anointed. We, we see in Leviticus chapter 8, Moses anointed the tabernacle and everything inside of it. He did this to consecrate this place, to set it apart, because this would be the dwelling place of God in the earth. Right? So he anointed a place. He anointed a place. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, the prophet Samuel anoints a shepherd boy by the name of David as the next king of Israel. He anointed a person. And so we see examples of the anointing coming on a person, the anointing coming on a place, the anointing coming on a thing. In these instances, we see men of God pouring out the sacraments of sanctification as a sign that the presence of God dwells here. Are you with me so far? Then there are instances where the Spirit of God himself will come upon an individual, endowing him with a special ability. A supernatural authority manifesting right here in the earth. We see this in Exodus chapter 31. God tells Moses, the Lord I have, I, I the Lord have chosen Bezalel and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. With skill, with ability, with knowledge in all kinds of craft. Bezalel had the responsibility of building the house of God. Where the presence of God would dwell in the earth. And so God anointed him. He gave them, he gave him supernatural power. He had the ability to build to, 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 uh, and, and the understanding for the architecture that God was establishing in the earth for his presence to dwell in. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. He killed 30 men. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson again. 
He killed a lion. The spirit of the Lord is coming upon individuals. Notice this though. It's not staying. Right? And the implication here, if the spirit of the Lord is coming upon a person, that he's not staying there. If he's got to do it again, that means he's not there. Here it is. In the Old Testament, holy God and sinful man, God says, I can't, I can't hang with you guys no more. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll anoint specific people to do specific jobs and then I'll, I'll go back. Does that make sense? Are you with me so far? All right, all right, just want to make sure, just want to make sure. In the Old Testament, we see the power of God at work with specificity. His presence was at specific locations. His power was at work in specific people. The mantle of this was primarily upon the prophets, priests, and kings. And then comes Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but Christ is not his last name. Just want to make sure, I don't want to assume that we all know that. The word Christ literally means the anointed one. It literally means the anointed one. In Luke chapter 4 verse 18, Jesus is reading the very prophecy that foretold of his coming. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. To preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And to recover sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. This fulfilled prophecy is critical. Because Jesus' presence is setting, setting the stage for the spirit of God. Not to just visit, but to dwell. Not to just visit the people of God, but to dwell with the people of God. Uh, being a believer is not just about missing hell. Hello? Being a believer is not just about missing hell, but it is about establishing God's kingdom in the earth. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says, In him you also, when you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And so we see here that Jesus comes. He is not just an anointed one. He is not just anointed. He is the anointed one. He is carrying the presence of God. He has been empowered by God through the help of the Holy Spirit at work, moving, operating, functioning in the earth. First Corinthians 3.16 tells us that our bodies, watch this, are the dwelling place for the Spirit of God. In other words, God's spirit has taken up residence on the inside of the believer. Are you hearing me? The question now is, what does that mean? It means that you have received not only the presence of God, but according to Acts chapter 1, you also have now received the power of God. But the power to do what? <laughs> The power to do what? Well, what well, the text says, the power to be my witnesses. 
the power to be my witnesses. And so many of us, we want, sometimes our spiritual eyes are bigger than our spiritual stomach. You want all the power, all the spiritual power, but you ain't doing nothing with it. What's the point? But the text says, you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to be a witness. Many of us are, are satisfied being just a believer. God says, I'm looking for disciples. Believers, yeah, you missed hell. Great, you're going to heaven. Now, who's going to be my witnesses? Who's going to be my disciples? I want to empower you to go forth so you can do exactly what Jesus did. The Bible says, the, uh, Jesus says, I've come to preach the good news to the poor. And so God says, I'm anointing you now to preach the good news to the poor. Jesus says, I am here to set the captives free. God says, I'm anointing you now to set the captives free. And to give sight to the blind. Are you hearing me? Anointed to do the work. You're not just anointed to say, oh, I'm anointed, great. Or anointed so so that someone can come up to you and say, oh man, you're so anointed. Girl, you're so anointed. For what? We're anointed to do the work. This brings us back to Brother Joseph. In the story, because of his brother's jealousy, he was sold into slavery. An Egyptian dignitary by the name of Potiphar purchased him. The text opens up saying that Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph. In other words, Joseph was anointed. Joseph was anointed. Not only that though, Joseph lived in a way that honored the Lord. The text says right here, Joseph's gifts and his character and the anointing on his, on his life brought him very quickly to an elevated position in Potiphar's house. He had gifts, he had good character, and the Lord was with him. The Bible says that Potiphar entrusted Joseph with everything that he owned. Let me stop you right here for a second. I want to share with you a story. I want to share with you a story. Uh, when I was younger, I had a dream. Um, maybe like 11 or 12 years old. I remember this very, very, I don't have many dreams. I'm not a dreamer. When I go to sleep, I'm asleep. Me and God got a deal. Um, if you want to talk to me, talk to me in a vision. Uh, because I do not have dreams. But when I have them, they're very, very clear, very, very specific. When I was 11 years old, around about that time, I had a dream uh, of, of being in a pool. Right. And and uh, I had a basketball in my hand and I would you know how you push a basketball down and you submerge it in water. And once you let that ball go, it doesn't sink to the bottom. It, it shoots up somewhere else. Right. And so I was doing this several times. I was fine. I was I was swimming over to the ball and I was pushing that ball down. It would pop up over there on the other side of the, of the pool. And I would swim over and then I would do it again and pop up and it will it will shoot out of the out of the pool. And God says, God told me. That's how the anointing works. 
That's how the anointing, that's how my favor works in your life. People will try to push you down. People will try to suppress you and oppress you. But guess what? Wherever you are, you take your gifts and your anointing with you. So if you're on your job and you're getting flack from your boss and you're afraid they might fire you, whether they do or not, it's okay because you take your anointing and you take your gifts with you. In the text, the Bible says that Potiphar's house was blessed because Joseph was there. And so on your job, stop, stop feeling and thinking that your job is your source. Because my Bible says that he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And so when I go in there, I go with the authority of heaven. I go with God's anointing on my life. I bring my gifts and all of that into the house. And so in other words, the job is better because you're there. Because you're anointed. You're anointed. You're anointed. And notice, watch this. You don't need somebody to qualify your anointing. The text, the Bible tells us that when you are a believer, the Holy Spirit takes up residence on the inside of you. And so heaven is on the inside of you. And so you're anointed because the Bible tells me so. The Bible tells me so. You're anointed. You're anointed to be a great administrator. You're anointed to be a CEO. You're anointed to be an entrepreneur. You're anointed to be a great mother. You're anointed to be a great father. Somebody say, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. You have been given supernatural power and authority. I'm anointed. You're anointed. And so nobody has to qualify it for you. You're anointed because God says you are. The Holy Spirit is living in you. You're anointed to be a great singer. You're anointed to be a great actor. You're anointed to be a great businesswoman, a businessman. You're anointed. You have God's favor on your life. Amen. When God anoints you, which he has, when God has gifted you, which he has, watch this, when your character proves that he can trust you, God's favor will go before you and you will experience supernatural provision and authority. I gave you three things. God's anointing, God's gifting, your character. Two of those things are for God. One of those things are directly tied to your life and what you do and how you handle it. Your character. Your character. Joseph goes from the safety of his home to slavery, to prison, and eventually and ultimately to the palace where he was appointed governor of Egypt. I want to share four points with you. and We're going home. Well, you guys are going to go home. I got another service to do. <laughs> and then I got to go to New York. Four points. Number one, new seasons require new anointings. New seasons require a new anointing. New seasons require a new anointing. When Joseph, when Joseph was sold into slavery, he went into Potiphar's house. And there were certain, the Bible says that the Lord saw that, 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 uh, that the Lord, I'm sorry, Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph. 
And he started doing business on Potiphar's behalf. And what happens in the text is Potiphar's wife saw that Joseph was a fine looking brother. And he said, Joseph, come and lay with me. And Joseph said, no, we're not doing that. Your husband has entrusted me with everything in the house except for you. He said, I can put my hand on anything in the house except you. And so he was operating under an anointing that allowed him to operate with integrity within the house. And then what happens? Potiphar comes home and Potiphar's wife lies on Joseph. He says, she says, um, um, babe, babe, Joseph tried to lay with me. I imagine that's the voice she used. <laughs> and Potiphar, if we can just be honest, he was probably perplexed because Joseph had given him no reason up until that point to think that he would do anything that was outside of operating with integrity. Because he was operating under that anointing. His gifts were at work. He was flowing. And that happens to us sometimes. Sometimes you're minding your own business. Doing what God told you to do. Moving with integrity. Moving with your, with your assignment. Moving on purpose. Moving in your purpose. And then the enemy comes and tries to knock you off your horse. And tries to slander your name. And tries to lie on you. But my Bible says to stand still, be still, and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. So here's what Joseph did. He was still, but he got him sent to prison. Got him sent to prison. And so now in prison, he's utilizing a new anointing. The Bible says that he operated with so much integrity and so much character that he was put over the prisoners. I'm sorry, wait a minute, hold on. You mean to tell me that the person that was sent to prison for allegedly sleeping with Potiphar's wife is now in prison and now he's over the prisoners? He's got favor with the guards? The anointing followed him. A new anointing followed him into the prison. Watch this. And then what happened? He interprets a dream. He interprets a dream in the prison. He's operating under a new anointing now. The anointing for the house was serve with integrity, be a businessman. The, 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 the anointing in the prison was uh, interpret these dreams. He was anointed to do that. He used his gifts in that way. New seasons require new anointings. Number two, your anointing is determined by how you steward your storm. Your anointing is determined by how you steward your storm. Everybody wants a great anointing, but nobody want to go through nothing. With my son right now, I'm trying to get him to understand. We're doing our music camp right now, and he's, he's, he's doing a great job on the drums, and he's doing a great job on the piano, but he hates the guitar. Hates it. The, 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 his fingers having to press the steel strings. It's hurting his hand. Um, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of bulky. He's kind of small. And so immediately after he sees his peers, some of his peers doing a great job, he gives up. 
He gives up. He, he quits. He, he doesn't want to do it anymore. And I, my conversation with him is, Trip, anything that's worth having is worth fighting for. It's worth working for. You've got to develop your, your mental toughness. Life is going to be, have its challenges. Life is going to be difficult. But guess what? You have the anointing of God working on the inside of you. You have the ability to overcome any and everything, any obstacle that comes your way. James chapter 1 verse 2 says this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, why do I need patience? The Bible says, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. And so your anointing is determined by how you steward your storm. When you're going through trials, when you're going to test, my old pastor used to say this, go through lawfully. Go through in a way that's going to honor God. Go through in a way that's going to bring God glory. Go through in a way that's going to make it not about you, but about him. Amen, somebody? Steward your storm. Because your anointing is commiserate to your pain. Got quiet real quick in here. Look at what Joseph is going through. He goes from being the favorite son... So now his brothers tried to kill him, but instead they threw him in a pit. The Ishmaelites picked him up and sold him to Potiphar into slavery. Now don't forget he had a dream. He had a series of dreams about being in command and about being in control and about being high and lofty. But now he's being sold into slavery. Most people would have given up. Most people would have said, you know what, I must have, I must have had the wrong dream. I must have misinterpreted it. Must have been watching, you know, a movie late at night and it came into my head. Joseph continues to operate with integrity. When he's sold into prison, he continues to operate with integrity when he's, when he's put in the prison. He continues to operate with integrity even when he has the attention of the Pharaoh. How you steward your storm, how you steward your trials. Many of us, <coughs> we take a very secular approach, a very worldly approach to how we deal with things. If we feel justified, we attack. Well, you did me wrong. You about to get all of this heat. You offended me. Now I'm justified in how I come after you. And we never stop to say, Lord, Holy Spirit, how would you have me to operate? Because if we're watching the story of Joseph, sometimes... You got to lose so that you can win. See, we want to be anointed and we want to have a police escort to the destiny. But God says, no, I got to make you. I've got to make you. I've got to break you. I've got to mold you. I've got to renew your mind. I've got to keep you humble so that when I raise you up to where, I'm, where I've called you to, you can steward it well. I'm blessed. God has blessed me to be on amazing stages. I've, I've toured all over the world and I've this, even this stage right here, it's an amazing stage. And many of you guys see me up here, but you don't know this for a long, long time. I sang and I, I, I did praise and worship for churches of less than 20 people. 
Wasn't no sound system, wasn't no in-ear monitors, wasn't no lights, wasn't no smoke. It was next to a 7-Eleven. And God was making me. God was reminding me, it's not, it's not about the people, it's about my presence. Reminding me, work on your gift. Study to show yourself to prove. Be skillful. Be anointed. Know your word. Study your word because I'm calling you to something. God is calling you to something. He's calling you to a thing. Do you know where he's called you to? And are you stewarding your storm well? Third thing. This is a good one right here. Your gift and your character. Watch this. Give your anointing credibility. Your gift and your character give your anointing credibility. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 22 says, abstain from all appearances of evil and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved. What blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes, you know, people don't know how to articulate what's special about you. The world doesn't know the anointing. They just know something's different about you. Something's, Something's unique about you. And the reason why they've even come to that conclusion is because you are operating in your gifting and you are operating with character. And so because you're operating in your gifting, and you're, well, what is character? Character is who you are when no one's watching. Character is who you are when no one is looking. And so if you walk in a store and no one's around, you know, you're not going to grab a snicker and put it in your pocket because you got character. If you've been married for 20, 30 years, and you've been faithful to your spouse. You travel all over the world. You travel for your job. But you just travel and you're not with your, your spouse throughout the day. You've got character to be faithful. you got character. Character is who you are when no one is watching. And being consistent with who you are. So who you see up here is who you should see at the mall. When you run into me at the mall, you should see the same person. Character, Because if you didn't, if you saw me at the club or if you saw me anywhere doing things that are not consistent with what I preach here, you might give me a pass. But while I'm preaching up here, all you're thinking about is, is he really, is he really living what he's saying? So now you're distracted, not because of you, but because of my inconsistency. Because my character isn't called into question now. But the Bible tells me to be above reproach, to abstain from all evil, so that when I'm up here, I can minister under the anointing, under the power of the Holy Spirit. I can use my gift of singing. I can use my gift of preaching. And my character is not in question. So now he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Are you hearing me? So what is your gift? Have you been working on your character? And if you have, there's no reason why 
not even, there's no reason. You should expect the spirit of God to move on your behalf. Are you hearing me? Last thing. The anointing, first we say that your gift and your character gives your anointing credibility. Let's flip it now. The anointing gives your character and your gift power and authority. Your anointing, the anointing gives your character and your gift power and authority. The two work hand in hand. When Jesus healed people, before he even talked about the kingdom, he met a practical need. He healed a man who couldn't walk, healed a man who was blind. He could have easily been like, yo, listen, man, I know you're blind. But listen, we got this kingdom in heaven. I want you to come and holler at us. If you accept Jesus, then I'll heal you. Or he could have told the woman with the issue of blood, like, you know, who, 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 who touched me? You out of order. That's not how we do things. You come and talk to me first. And let me tell you about, let me tell you about the kingdom of heaven. Then we can work on your situation. But no, he met the practical need first. And then, He pointed them to the kingdom of heaven. And so your anointing gives your character and your power and the authority. I'm sorry. Your anointing gives your gift and your character power and authority. The Bible says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be my disciples. And so your ability to harness your gift and to work on your gift, whatever it is. And here's the thing, guys. Your gift doesn't have to be useful in these four walls necessarily. Uh Uh-huh. This is not the pinnacle of anointing. So while folks are clamoring to get the microphone and clamoring to get on the stage and clamoring to preach, this is not the pinnacle of the anointing. You operating and, and, and flourishing in your gift And you know what that is. You know how God has gifted you with people. You know how God has gifted you with organization. You know how God has gifted you entrepreneurially. Some of you guys, money just finds you. You just gift it with money. Come holler at me after service. (laughs) But you're gifted. Utilize those gifts. Harness those gifts. Work on those gifts. Work on that character. Right, And when you do that, the anointing that's on the inside of you is going to breathe on those things. People tell me all the time, say, hey, you know, you know Pastor Ron, you just make it look so easy up there. And, and, what I, and, and my response usually is, it's like, thank you, but it's not. And I don't say it's not easy because it's, it's a weight, it's a burden, but what you see is what's happening in these, in these 30 minutes. What I'm remembering is, when I was nine years old, and I wasn't outside playing because I had to practice the piano, what I'm remembering is how my friends were allowed to play and stay up all night, but I had to go to bed at, on Saturday night because that church and had to be there at 6.30 in the morning. What I'm remembering is how we had a 7 o'clock service and an 11 o'clock service, and I couldn't even go to Sunday school because I had to go get breakfast because I was there from 6.30 to 3 o'clock sometimes when my friends were going home and watching football games. So all of that is the culmination of what we see here today. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
And so when people see the manifestation of your fruit at work, you know, the, you know, the work you've put in, you know, the studying and the time and the laboring and the sacrifice that you've made to hone your craft and to hone your gift and to hone your ability so that God can breathe on it. Are you hearing me? And so don't let anybody take that from you. There is a confidence that I have in my gift. Yes, yeah, so when I walk out here, it's not an arrogance, it's a confidence. Let me tell you something, I'll tell you a quick story and we're done. When I was younger, probably about 17, 18 years old, you know, you know, you get, you know, I was young. And so people say, oh, you're so anointed, you're so gifted, and so all that went to my head. I'm being honest. And so I didn't, I don't know that I had, looking back on it now, I don't know that I handled that season of my life with the most grace and humility. And then something happened. The church was exposed to my humanity. They were exposed to areas of my life that weren't so clean and so anointed. They weren't, they weren't developed yet. Right? And so now the same people who called me so anointed, crucify him, crucify him, get him out of here. He's the devil. And God used that to teach me a valuable lesson. Ronald, your validation comes from me. Yeah. Why? Because he called me. So God has called you. So you don't need anybody's validation. It would be nice, but it's not needed. It'd be great. It's not needed. You walk in the authority and in the power of God because you are anointed. If you don't, if no one's ever told you this, you're anointed. You're anointed. The Holy Spirit is dwelling on the inside of you. And here's the thing, and I'll say this, this wasn't up there, but let me say this too. Your anointing ain't for everybody. Your anointing ain't everybody's cup of tea. And guess what? That's okay. That just means you're not called there. You're not called there. So I'm not taking offense to it. I've, I've recorded albums and, I, and I've toured. I've done some things. I've had people tell me, I don't really like your music. I'm saying people are something else. The, the, the people what, feel like they can just say anything. There's something else, man. But because I know who I am and I know who validates me, all I have to say is, God bless you. It's not for everybody. Yeah. This last thing and we're done. So, you know, we released Stronger. We released Stronger last year. I was in October last year and did, did a video. Amen. Praise the Lord. And um, right now we have over 18,000 views on YouTube. It's really cool. Uh, in, in four months, 18,000 views. And so um, my son, one of his friends tells me, says, Dad, so-and-so didn't like your song. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, it's okay, bro. It's all right. He said, no, it makes me mad. It makes me angry. It makes me angry because it's such a good song. I was like, it's all good, bro. He says, no. He starts crying. It's like, bro. It's like, chill out. Because he, Trip thinks I'm, he's my dad. That's what he, he's like, yeah. Like we're like on the same level. I'm like, bro, you don't have to look out for me. I got this. This is good. So I take him onto YouTube and I show him. I said, you know what this K means right here? This means thousands. And I said, 18,000 people are being blessed and ministered to by this song. One person is not going to change anything. 
It's not going to make me take the song down now and decide I'm going to just put it in the basement and never going to pull it up again. We're never going to listen to it. We're never going to sing the song ever in church because your friend doesn't like the song. But sometimes we do that in our personal lives. One person has a critique. And you start questioning everything God is doing in your life. And God says, nope, you're anointed. I called you. I validate you. And so you're anointed for where you are. Let's stand to our feet. All of the anointing that are in this house, all of the gifts, all of the supernatural um, gifts and, 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 and um, giftings that are in this house. I want to challenge you today because some of you guys are sitting on your anointing. You're sitting on your anointing. Some of you, you have the, you have the gift to sing. And can I say something that may be weird and awkward, but we, y'all know I love you guys and you guys love me. You may not be anointed to sing on this stage in this season of your life. But there are a lot of old folks' homes around here, a lot of hospitals, a lot of places that, could, that would love to have you come and to minister to these individuals. You may not be skilled enough in this season of your life to come and play piano. But there's so many places that would love to have what you have. And you don't have to be offended and be, be mad about it. You're anointed for a place. You're anointed to do a thing. There may not be a job for you on staff as a church secretary or administrator or pastor. But if God has given you a pastoral anointing, there's so many people out here that, want, that need to hear the word of God. And so, Lord, while I'm in the mall, while I'm in the store, give me the opportunities to preach the gospel. Don't wait for a door to open up here. Lord, where is the door? Wherever the door is, I'll go. Because you're anointed. You're anointed. You're anointed. Men of God, you are anointed to lead your families. You're anointed to create an environment of peace and safety and provision for your family. You're anointed for that. Yes, it gets hard. Yes, it's difficult, but you're anointed for it. That means you have supernatural strength for the day. You're anointed for it. Are you hearing me? Mothers, wives, you're anointed. You're anointed to raise your children in the fear of the Lord. You're anointed for that. You're anointed for self-control. You're anointed for patience. You're anointed. Walk in that anointing. Walk in that anointing. Yield to the anointing for this season of your life.